0: praise the Lord church abundant life has always been a loving and caring church so I love to see when we extend our meet and greet Amen. we have a lot of activities uh, ahead of us today and so I was asked to make my message a little shorter Uh, so I won't uh, complete it today. This will just be part one and we'll continue at another time. Um, but I actually heard someone say, if you can't say what you need to say in 10 minutes, then you don't have nothing to say at all. <laughs> <laughs> but I may have to go a little bit more than 10 minutes this morning. Amen? I'm excited and just a, just overwhelmed with joy this morning. I love our young people. Let's give another hand for Generation Example. When young people seek the Lord, it's just a blessing. Amen. Amen. I'm having some reverb here again. Let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, this is the appointed time that you have called us to today. Lord, hide me in your gift. This is not about Emmanuel. This is about you. What you have impressed on my heart to say. So, Father, I pray that I would speak your word with boldness, with courage and clarity. Father, I pray that your people would be edified. And through it all, Lord, I pray that you would be glorified. And I pray that the devil or be horrified in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. 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 I want to read from 1 Samuel chapter 17, 32 through 40. There's a little switch here on what I was scheduled to preach. I tried to be obedient as possible. But the Lord is turning it to a little bit different direction. We're going to read in 1 Samuel. We're going to look at a servant of God named David. And David is going to show us some things today as we examine his life on how to kill your giants. How to kill your giants. Let's look at 1 Samuel. Just trying to give you some time to turn there. In the Old Testament, we're going to look at first Samuel chapter 17 and we're only going to read verses 32 through 40 when you got it say got it oh that was quick amen David said to Saul let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine your servant will go and fight him Saul replied you are not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him you are only a boy and he has been fighting and he's been a fighting man from his youth but David said to Saul your servant has been keeping his father's sheep when a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock I went after it struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth when I turned when it turned on me I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of the Philistine. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened it on his, on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. He took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approach the Philistine." And we're going to conclude reading there. When I read this passage, I'm reminded of Israel's troubles with the giants, recorded in Numbers 13 and 14. After two years in the wilderness, they arrived at the banks of the Jordan River. Now God has promised them the land on the other side of the river. But they stopped and had 12 spies go examine the land. When those spies returned, two of them, Caleb and Joshua, they reported that the land was good. But the land also had great giants there. The Israelites were excited about the possibilities of claiming this land that God has promised them. However, the other 10 spies came back with a different report. The 10 spies, they said, yes, we agree that there's good land, but there's also some giants there. And they were absolutely terrified of the giants. In fact, they agreed that what God said was good, the land was good, but they focused on the giants, how big they were and fear overcame them. They focused on the obstacles and the challenges that will become them, and they thought that those things were so humongous that it eventually prevented them from achieving their goal. Have you ever felt that there were giants keeping you from accomplishing your goals? Have you ever had the Lord open a door for you only to find yourself facing a giant that it began to hinder you and prevented you from fulfilling the will of God for your life? Perhaps it was a new job opportunity. You prayed that God would open the door for a job. And then now you are in that place of employment and you say, oh my God, what have I gotten myself into? Perhaps as a young man, you have put a ring on a woman's finger to get married. Only two to three days before the wedding, you get cold feet. You're nervous. You're saying, what did I get myself into? Perhaps you're in the process of buying a home, and you get all the way to the escrow office—well, I mean to the lending office and you have to sign documents. And as they bring out that big pack of paper, you saying, oh my God, is this what you really want me to do? We got some amens on that one. I've been there too. For the young people, you know I wouldn't forget about you. Perhaps you were in the eighth grade, and this year you started high school. You were excited, but when you got to high school, The juniors and the seniors look like giants. (laughs) And you say, oh my, I thought I was ready for high school. What am I doing here? Or perhaps your family move into a new neighborhood. Away from your old school and your old friends. And now you got to build relationships with people you don't even know. You're starting all over again. And the people look like giants. Is this really where God wants me to be? See, in these situations, doubt can creep in and we can question the very will of God. At one time, we were so excited about it and we knew God was all in it. But then when we face our giants, We've been to quest- we begin to question and we begin to doubt. Is God really here? Have anybody been in that place before? Amen? Amen? Caleb and Joshua, they came back with a report of faith. They saw the giants, but they saw everything that God has promised, and they were excited. But the people didn't listen to them because people usually tend to listen to the majority. And the majority had a different view. We got to be careful when we are pursuing the will of God who we listen to. God said it in the story. Everyone else's opinion don't matter. (laughs) When you know and you'll know her, that God said it, it's settled. It's settled. Now sometimes you do have to get advice. You ask God for confirmation because you want to be sure. But when you rest assured that God has said it, you got to hold on to it because sometimes you can talk yourself out. Of the will of God. And so they listen to the majority report of the others. Because for some reason, sometimes when more people feel this way about something, more people think this about something, you over there with your little face say, maybe they're right. Maybe they're right. But we got to get to a place, if we are going to kill giants in our life, to know what the will of God is, and to stand on it, despite what other people may say. I'm not teaching yet. I'm just laying a foundation. But to no avail, the people wouldn't listen. So their faith withered, and they decided to listen to the majority. And you know what God did? God allowed them to wander in their misery until that faithless generation had died out. Wow, when we lack faith, God ain't going to change. He will wait for us to get it. He's long suffering. For 38 years, they wandered in the wilderness and then they arrived back at the Jordan River and Moses speak to them and tries and begins to want to lead them to enter into Canaan. But those giants are still there. Have you ever ever pursuing something and you just thought if I just waited long enough that obstacle would leave? Maybe if I just wait and pray a little bit more. No, sometimes you got to go through what God is calling us to go through. So what's the point? Israel fled from those giants 38 years before, but their children now has come. Today I want to speak to a group of people who are facing giants in their life. How do I know? Because we all face giants. I have a few of my own right now, but the bottom line is We may not want to face them, but that's what God is calling us to do. I wish I had more time to work with that one. I wish I had more time. Oh, okay, let me stay on schedule. Our giants will not just go away because we want them to go away. God would allow us to face them, and he wants us to defeat them. And the truth is, you can Because God is with you. Now, what I love about this story here, as we look into this text, I love the fact that when God wants to do something significant, there are some times that God uses young people. Did y'all hear that? When God wants a big job done, he looks at times to young people. Throughout the Bible, we see God doing big and significant things using young people. When God wanted to cut down idolatry, he chose Gideon. When a nation needed a prophet, God chose Daniel. When it was time for God to send his only son into the earth, he chose a young lady named Mary. When it was time to defeat a giant, God chose David to defeat the Goliath. So the reading of this passage, we see David as a young man. He's a young man who's not yet ready for battle, but he's a young man who's, who's quite different. David is a young man who's filled with faith. And although he was young, he wasn't afraid to go into battle. David was a giant killer. David was ready to face the giants. And if we look at this passage, if we look through these scriptures here, we will learn some things about defeating our own giants. One of the things I want to share that as I look at this, I realize that David was a young man who knew the word of God. Why did David have such faith? Why did David have such courage? Because David knew the word of God. People of God, if we are going to defeat the giants in our life, we need to know the word of God. We have to know. We have to study God's word. Look at the scripture here in 1 Peter. It says, like newborn babies, you should crave. And I'm reading um, here in the Amplified Bible. It says, you should crave, thirst for, earnestly desire the pure spiritual milk that it may be nurtured and grow into completed salvation. Like babies crave milk. Now, those of you who've had the opportunity that you were blessed that you've had babies, you know when a child is an infant, they eat what, every two hours? Constantly needing to eat. (laughs) Wake you up in the middle of the night, you're not sleeping anymore. That baby wants to eat. That little bitty baby just disrupt your whole life because they want to eat. And that's what we have to do. We have to eat the word of God. Now, today we have the word of God in so many, there's so many resources out there. I mean, you can have the Bible now an audio version. You can have it on CD and put it into your car. I mean, there's so many different ways, you know, there's, soft copies, hard copies, books. I mean, there's all kind of ways that we have to divulge ourselves on the word of God. But there's nothing in our culture to kind of encourage us to do that. But we have to understand that that is the will of God for our lives as believers who have been bought with a price. And so Hosea 4.6 says this, my people are destroyed for a lack of what? Notice it didn't say my people are destroyed for a lack of protection. We want to protect our kids as much as we can. We want to guard them. But the word says my kids, my people die for a lack of what? Knowledge. That means if we help our kids get truth inside of them and the way of understanding is inside of them, that truth will guide them even when we're not even around. And then John 8, verse 32 says, Then you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. It's important that we develop a daily habit of eating God's Word. Now, I'm going to share with some of the adults something that I've shared with the kids for many, many years. One of the ways, because, you know, a lot of times a pastor can tell you from the pulpit, Get in the Word, you got to read the Word. And some people, because I remember I was there one time, say, I don't know where to start. I understand that's what you're calling us to do. But when I pick up that big old Bible, I don't know where to begin. So one of the things I encourage young people to do is read the Proverbs of the day. There's 31 books of Proverbs for every day of the week. Read your Proverbs for whatever day it is. And then as you read it, before you read it, you pray and ask God to open the eyes of your understanding. You ask the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. And so what happens is when you begin to read that daily proverb, there are certain scriptures that will just jump off the page. It will speak directly to your life. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to you. And then get a three by five card and write that scripture down. On one side you write the the verse. And on the other side, you write the meaning of the scripture. And then throughout the day, because you did that early in the morning, that's God speaking to you. And so as you at school, you have some time, you just pull out that card and you just read that scripture and you begin to start hearing the voice of God. You start obeying that word and the word means something to you. Then you can't get enough of it. You want to go back to it. And then the next day, the guy starts speaking. And then you start asking yourself questions like, God, does this apply to what area of my life does this apply to? Does this apply to my relationships with my parents? Does this apply to any other relationship? Does this apply to my relationship with you? And you start asking God those questions. And that's how you begin to know him as Abba Father. Because you start seeing that God is speaking a timely word pertaining to your life. And then once you get that out of the way, then you start doing what I like, topical studies. Topical studies mean you may be going going through something in your life. You may have a sense of jealousy for whatever reason. I'm not pointing any fingers. But then you just start reading the scriptures that speak about jealousy. And then as you start reading those scriptures, it starts giving you the words on what to do. That's how we become an individual that begins to study God's word. It don't happen all overnight. Little bit by little by day. When I did that with the kids, I had a thing called 7-Up Daily Devotion. Just give God seven minutes a day. Now you say, oh wow, seven minutes, that ain't no time. I wanted them to develop the habit See, the Bible says, taste and see that the Lord is good. And if I can get them to commit to seven minutes, after seven minutes, it'll go to 14, it'll go to 21. You see what I'm saying? It will grow. Start with your expectations a little lower and grow and develop. God is patient. God is patient. I learned that we have to develop a taste for the word. And as we do it, oh, man, you will be wanting to eat two, three times a day. You can't get enough. You can't wait to go back because you start seeing that God is giving you revelation in your life. You say why are you spending so much time talking about that? Because that's the foundational principle that we need to have as a believer. Right. Everything that we do for success comes from that. You can't fight spiritual battles with natural weapons. You got to have the word of God inside of you. So I was just giving you just some things that I have done over the years to help me to get the word in my heart. And I'm going to have some of those resources available here at the church, the daily devotion plan and all of that kind of stuff, just to help those who are at that place. Because, you know, we can't assume that everybody is much further along. And I realize sometimes just from being in school and stuff like that, you ever remember how you were in the classroom and you really wanted to ask the question, but you didn't have the courage to? And you just hope that somebody asked the question that you really wanted to have asked? Amen. See, when we've been a part of the church for a while, we don't want to raise up our hand and ask the question and let somebody know. I don't really know how to have a prayer life. We're afraid. Why? Why? This is the place where we come to learn those things. That's why it's important for us to walk in fellowship with one another. When I wanted to learn how to pray, I found somebody in the church who was praying. Sister Hill can pray the walls down. And when they was having a prayer meeting, I would go sit up on the Sister Hill. In fact, every time I come to preach now, every morning, I go in there and sit with Sister Hill. I'm breaking up her prayer party because she's praying about all kinds of stuff. But I just want to inch in just to get a little bit. Amen. And so they're so foundational. Why? Because we got to understand who we are in Christ. It's important to know our identity in Christ. In Christ. It's important to know who we are and whose we are. We need to know that our lives is not an accident. There are some people who were born under some severe circumstances and they struggle to even feel if they are important. But they are important as a child of God. Their birth was not an accident. But see, you only come to know those things as you get in his word. Amen? Amen. Now, little David, son of Jesse, although he wasn't old enough to go to war like his brothers, He was undergoing a very successful training program at home he was listening to his father he was being obedient young people the bible says children obey your mother and father because it is pleasing to the lord they don't always have to be right but it's your responsibility to obey and as you do you are being blessed you are learning what the bible says that obedience is greater than sacrifice. See, there's many people today that will love to sacrifice their time and do many things, but are you walking in obedience to the word of God? That's more important to the Lord. It's not so much what you do for Christ. It's becoming, allowing Christ to live in you. And if God would have Christ live in us, He know that his power working through us have the ability to change the world. Now, little David, David's father, Jesse, had sent David to bring some supplies to three of his brothers who were fighting in the army. When David arrived at the battlefield, he see that Saul's armies of Israel were in fear of the giants. Now, back in those days when they had battles, um, one group would choose a champion amongst them to go fight the other group. So the Philistines had a champion and the Israelites had a champion. Well, Goliath was the Philistines' champion. Now, Goliath wasn't no child. If you're looking in the natural. The Bible says he was nine feet nine. He was bigger than Shaquille (laughs) O'Neal. He wore an armor that weighed 175 pounds. An armor that weighed 175 pounds. He carried a spear that weighed over 32 pounds. And his javelin was made out of brass. Two times a day. He would come out and he would say, come on, send your boy over here. Who's going to come out and fight me? I'm the giant up in here. Come on. Now, the people who God had promised to take over the land heard it but was afraid. They were peeking. Is he still out there? I see him. They hiding. And he just all boastful and just loud and talking and they were afraid, but God promised them the land. But when they looked in the natural and saw Goliath, they didn't want to have nothing to do with him. Because they chose to focus on the natural, however, David heard came there one day with the supplies his father sent him out there and David heard all of this and Goliath was getting so bad he started defiling the name of God he started talking bad about him what about your God he said y'all gonna do what <laughs> what you see this here I'm a, come on now David heard this little bitty David he heard this and when David heard it Something inside of him just raised. But look what it was. David, it was a faith button that clicked on in David's life. Because he realized that Goliath was defiling the name of God. And so the second point that I want to share is that we got to be willing to step out in faith. See, David said to Saul, let no one lose heart on account of the Philistines. I'll go out and fight him. But listen to what Saul said. Saul said, you're not able to go out and fight the Philistine. You're only a young man. When we begin to step out in faith, don't listen to your critics. Listen to God. For those of you, if God promised you that you're going to buy a house, don't listen to people who say, well, you don't make enough money. They don't know what God is going to do. Amen. Right. They may say, you don't have good credit. You owe me $20. <laughs> <laughs> but you have to listen to the Lord. Because in Acts 2, verse 17, he says this, In the last days I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy, your young men will see visions, and your old men will dream dreams. How many people believe God's still moving the supernatural today? I'm going to have to wrap this up soon, but I got to share this story. There is a minister. You guys may have heard of him. His name is Matthew Barnett. His father is a famous preacher from uh, Los San Diego, uh, San Diego. And Matthew, as a young man, God was stirring a vision in his heart. God said, I want to use you, Matthew, and build a church, but it's going to be different from your dad's church. And so Matthew was praying, Lord, where who you want me to go? And the Lord told him, Los Angeles. So Matthew takes a trip to Los Angeles, and he's walking down... South Central L.A. Anybody here from South Central L.A.? He walking down South Central L.A. on Crenshaw Boulevard. You know where he was. But as he's walking the streets, he's praying. God, what type of church that you want? And God starts allowing him to see certain activity that's going on on on, on Crenshaw Boulevard. He see a drug sale go down. He sees prostitution. He sees gang members. And his heart is burdened. God, I wish these people would come to know you. I wish that these people would know that their lifestyle is going to hell. I want to see them become alive in Christ. I want you to see you change their lives. And he's walking and he's praying. And he ends up on this, uh, 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 in the area of L.A. where he sees this big old giant building. And he sees this building. And it's an old hospital, it was Old Mercy Hospital, and it was up for sale. Now, this hospital had like 50-something rooms, it was about seven stories. And he looks at that building, and God begins to give him a vision. Now, while he was there in L.A., a member of his dad's church happened to be in the area and had been, wanting to, had been trying to contact him to go out to lunch. But Matthew, you know, he was just really serious about the things that God, he didn't really want to go to lunch with this guy. The gentleman who wanted to go to lunch with him was a very successful businessman, happened to be in town. And Matthew didn't want to go because Matthew, he was just praying, this is my time with the Lord. And this guy just want to have lunch. Yes, he got a lot of money. Sometimes he want to show off. I don't really got time for that. But reluctantly, the guy gets in touch with him. Matthew says, yes, we can meet for lunch. He says, "Uh, I'm over here. Can you just meet me at the little cafe that's around the corner? The guy said, yeah, I'll be there in 45 minutes. So the guy get there and Matthew didn't want him to dominate the conversation. He said, can we just take a walk? He said, yeah. So Matthew's walking with him and he says, so Matt, why are you here? He said, you know, the Lord has been really speaking to me and I know that God wants to birth a ministry out of me and I don't clearly see what it is. Uh, he said, but it's very different from what my father has. And so then he begins to uh, share the guy. He said, look at this building. And the guy said, oh yeah, it's for sale. He said, yeah. He said, when I saw this building, he said, I saw it as a hospital that God would use it to redeem lives. He said, I see it as a place for prostitutes who are trying to get away from their pimps and turn their life around, that we can house women on one floor, give them a place to stay, room and board, where they can be delivered and set free. He said, I see another room for patients who people who have HIV, who have other addictions in life and they need recovery, and they need a place to stay. And he just started pouring his, how, his heart out for what he saw for this huge building. He just pouring his heart out, and the guy just listening to him. And he said at the time he was just saying stuff, he said it was just flowing, he said he hadn't really thought about it before, but he was just speaking it over this building, what he saw. He saw lives being changed. He saw gang members getting saved. And the gentleman that he was having lunch with just burst in tears. He said, Matthew, I'm sorry. He said, God had been touching my heart to get in touch with you. I've been so busy. He said, but hearing what you're trying to do today, God wants me to help you. He said, how much does that building cost? He said, well, I think they're trying to sell it for $3.1 million. The guy said, hey, let me just do this. Let me write you a check. The guy wrote him a check for $1.1 million. He said, now go and negotiate the rights for that building. He said, forgive me for holding back on what God wanted to do with you in that building. Do you still believe in miracles? Abundant life, do you believe in miracles? The Dream Center today reaches over fifty thousand people a week. They have over twenty two hundred outreach ministries. The very thing that Matthew was dreaming, God is doing it today. The Dream Center. God says that He will pour out His Spirit and His young man will see visions. Now, Oh, I got to say this. I got to say this. I got to say this. The best years of abundant life. Oh, God. It's not in the past. It's not in the past. If we would get on our knees, if we would ask God what he wants to do with this building, What ministries do God want to birth here? What lives do he want to touch here? There are people in this city who are hungry. They're not even, they're not, they don't have enough money to eat. I pray in my spirit that we would have a food shelter here at this place and we will feed thousands of people. There are kids going to school who don't have clothing. When it gets cold outside, they don't have sweatshirts. Some of them don't have shoes with soles on the bottom. I know because I'm at the schools. And I believe God will use this place to help people like that. Because where there is vision, God will bring the provision. He will bring it. The question is, do we have faith enough? Do we have vision enough? We have to ask the Lord, how do you want to use this building on 2440 Leghorn Street? How do you want to position us to minister to the community? When we start asking God those questions, when we get on our knees, he will show us. And we cannot be afraid of the giants that we see. We can't be afraid of the giants. We got to believe what God says. So I encourage you, church, as we have our prayer meetings. In the future, join us. Let's be on our knees. Let's see what God wants to do for the next 10, 15 years at Abundant Life. And let us not fear about doors closing and resources. God will bring it because he has the resources. For everything we need, our vision just has to be big enough. It's already apparent. Our hearts are already big enough. They are. But is our vision big enough? I'm sorry that the Lord had put, I had to say that one. The will of God will never lead you to where the grace of God cannot keep you. We're going to go and celebrate today. There's a purpose that God is calling us together. Church, let's seek what the Lord wants to do. And let's believe him to birth new ministries out of ALCF. And God will begin to use us, even you young people. God use you today. God use you today. I guess I would conclude there. (laughs) As we prepare to close Abundant Life, let's ask God about our future. Our past is the past. But we're here now. We're on this side of Jordan. And God wants us to cross over. Amen? Amen? Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We understand, Lord, what we're capable of. We understand the abilities and the supernatural power, Lord God, that you have available to us, to those who believe. Father, we want to believe you for great and mighty things in our lives personally, but also in our lives collectively. As a church so God we ask that you will show us in the coming days what's the next phase of ministry and purpose and vision that you have for abundant life we know that you're not calling us just to be a congregation that becomes a holy huddle but you want us to be a people Lord God to impact our local city in the Bay Area and father we just praying that you will raise up an army That believe you enough that will submit Lord God and walk in obedience to what you're calling us to do but that first starts with the man in the mirror it starts with each and every one of us saying God I need to be in your word God I want to know the plans that you have for me and my life So at every head bow and every eye close, if you want to be a part of that church that God would use to do great and mighty things, that I'm willing to be a part of the ALCF army and allow God to use me in ministry to reach other people, I'd just like to see your hands this morning. Every head bow, every eye close. God, I want to see you use me. Yes. Yes. Use me in a greater capacity. Yes, not my will, but your will be done, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. And Father, we will forever give you praise, glory, and honor. Help us, Lord, to know your word. Open our eyes so that we may see the wonderful things that you have hidden in your word for those who believe. Strengthen us in our innermost being. Light that fire, that thirst. The word says those who thirst and hunger for righteousness shall be filled. Fill our minds with your will, Lord God. Take away the things that don't please you. Take away the things that distract us from you. Help our priorities to be your priorities, God. we would align ourselves according to your purpose. And we thank you for it.